Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thanks for joining us for this Therapeutic Thursday podcast. This podcast provides an opportunity to listen in as members discuss what's new and ongoing in the world of therapeutics. My name is Mary Pat Wolfen, and I will be your host for today's episode. With me today are Jennifer Hawkins, Pharmacogenomics Clinical Specialist and PGY2 Clinical Pharmacogenomics Residency Program Director at the Cleveland Clinic, and Alexandra Nilges, PGY2 Health System Pharmacy Administration and Leadership Resident at the Cleveland Clinic. Thanks for joining us today, Jennifer and Alex. Thanks for having us. Yes, we really appreciate this opportunity. Well, we're really excited about this. Um, so let's go ahead and jump in today's topic. More than DNA, the role of pharmacogenomics in pharmacy practice. Uh, Jennifer, we want to hear a little bit from you. Can you explain to our audience what pharmacogenomics is and how it is used in clinical practice to manage medication therapy? Yes, this is a a great question. Um, Pharmacogenomics is really the study of how our genetic makeup can help us predict how someone responds to medications. And the idea being that if you know in advance that your patient is uh, likely to have an adverse effect to a particular medication, you're going to avoid that medication. Or if that medication is absolutely needed, in certain scenarios, you could consider dose adjustments. The same goes really with efficacy. Knowing that a patient may not respond to therapy, you don't want to spend time trying that particular agent because it could lead to poor outcomes. So this is really where pharmacogenomics can kind of play a huge role in medication therapy. Of course, we still need to consider other clinical factors such as age, renal function, hepatic function, but this just really provides us one more piece of information to help guide medication management. Jennifer, thank you for that. It sounds like this is really where pharmacy is moving towards the future. Um, What opportunities exist in the pharmacy area of pharmacogenomics, and how does one actually incorporate that information from pharmacogenomics into our practice setting, either as an extension of an existing service or even as a standalone clinic? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I think this is a really unique area for pharmacy to expand into and, you know, particularly unique for pharmacists as we are the medication experts. And we really understand the role of how metabolism uh, can be affected by genetic makeup, by environmental factors, and, you know, just by age and renal function as well. So I think this is where pharmacists have the opportunity to um, learn more about pharmacogenomics through a variety of different avenues, whether it's certification programs out there, seminars, you know, and for uh, learners out there, certainly opportunities in rotations, um, whether it's through your residency program or for um, API students um, through their schools, take advantages of those opportunities. And I think this is really where someone like Alex, who's had a rotation in pharmacogenomics, can kind of speak to the opportunities and how this can cross over into multiple different service areas. Yes, absolutely, Jennifer. I 
I'm so glad that I took your rotation because I think it opened a world of my understanding of how I could uh, work to advocate for pharmacogenomics to be incorporated on a day-to-day basis into practice. So, you know, I was able to see your practice in clinic as a part of rotation, but then also being able to speak with others at conferences and externally of how we can um, think about this from both an inpatient and outpatient or ambulatory care setting. So would you be available to be consulted on an inpatient basis and then have referrals on an outpatient basis? Um, And then something I also took away during our time on rotation and then from my involvement, uh, you know, in my research project as well as just an area of clinical interest, there's a lot of practitioners out there who are interested in pharmacogenomics but just don't know where to get started. So this podcast is a great place to start. Um, But being able to just educate others on the use of pharmacogenomics, I received a lot of interest from fellow pharmacists and residents um, just in our regular educational conferences that we host as a residency program. So definitely something that uh, you could also implement at your hospital or health system if you're interested in stepping into the world of pharmacogenomics. Alex, we're so fortunate to have you here today on our podcast to just share your perspective because it sounds like this was an amazing experience from a learner's perspective to really hear the cutting edge from from our experts. So, Jennifer, I'm curious, um, from your perspective as a preceptor, how do you structure a clinical rotation in pharmacogenomics and tailor that rotation to the experience and interests of the learner? Oh, that's a that's a great question. I think that's something that all preceptors strive to do to really kind of as much as possible tailor their rotation to the learner. So first thing I, I try to do is to really gauge and find out from the learner what their interest area are. Is it in ID? Is it in in the cardiovascular realm, oncology? And um, focus our topic discussions really on how pharmacogenomics could impact those particular um, service lines. But really, um, the goal of my pharmacogenomics rotation is to provide the learner sufficient information that if they were um, on any service line and a pharmacogenomics question came up, they would know what resources to turn to. So we really focus heavily on looking at um, CPIC guidelines, and CPIC stands for the Clinical Pharmacogenetics Implementation Consortium, so guidelines that they can refer to, how to read FDA package uh, labeling that may contain pharmacogenomic information, and then also how to basically do the primary literature searches to really figure out if this is potentially an up-and-coming gene drug pair that might impact patient care. I think it's very important for residents to know their resources, but also to really understand, you know, what gene drug pairs have sufficient evidence behind them to use clinically versus ones that haven't reached that level of uh, clinical actionability. I think everyone gets excited about genetics, especially pharmacogenomics, and we have to, as clinical practitioners know where to draw the line and say, well, unfortunately, insufficient evidence at this point, definitely an area for more research because we don't want to base decisions on um, small studies necessarily or where there is insufficient evidence because that could obviously lead to patient harm as well. One of the things I do emphasize with my learners is really helping to educate patients and providers on what pharmacogenomics can and can't do. And so part of the rotation is 
really learning on the language that one should use when speaking to patients versus uh, in speaking to providers so that patients can make an educated decision about whether they want to go through with pharmacogenomic testing or not, and as well as providers knowing what they can and can't do once they have that pharmacogenomics information in hand. Jennifer, thank you for that insight. All of us are unique as individuals, not only genetically, but also in the ways that we learn. And it really sounds like you tailor your rotation to that individual and what their interests are to make the most use of your rotation and also to educate those in your clinic about where pharmacy is going. Um, I'm curious to hear a little bit more from Alex and, and your learning experience with Jennifer. Um, from a learner's perspective, how would you say you got up to speed on pharmacogenomics and what resources did you find beneficial? Thanks for that question, Mary Pat. I think Jennifer's previous answer really set up a lot of the resources that had set me up for success in terms of getting up to speed on pharmacogenomics. Uh, we had brief background in school, but certainly not enough to address the learning curve that comes with pharmacogenomics and, and its practice. So my rotation with Jennifer really helped me to adapt quickly because I was able to learn from an expert in the field. Uh, she really emphasized early on that words matter in the practice of pharmacogenomics. So, you know, knowing that there is a difference between the pharmacogenomics and pharmacogenetics and how, how you are explaining things to patients also matters and making a very complex topic as simple as possible for them um, was critical. But I think that some of the key things that Jennifer was able to do during my rotation was, as she mentioned, going through the reliable and verified resources. So with CPIC and then also PharmGKB are two things that come straight to my mind reflecting on that rotation. But Jennifer and I took the time um, to click around those sites. She was great, gracious enough to give me a tutorial on locating the information, and then we also reviewed the limitations of each site. So when there is a lack of data, how do we interpret things, or what should you be looking for in terms of this specific genetic change? And then beyond that, she was encouraging on the rotation to really reorganize the drugs and link them to their potential for genetic and clinical implications. So while the patient you're consulted on may have been referred to you for failed antidepressant therapy, um, there are genetic results that overlap into a variety of different disease states. So you could be thinking about SSRIs, but then also notice the patient is on a certain proton pump inhibitor um, that isn't optimized based on the results that you find. So with pharmacogenomics, I think it's important uh, when you're getting up to speed to, to think about this as an extra layer on top of your pharmacist knowledge in pharmacotherapy uh, by taking into account that genetic information. So you're not only thinking of your drug-drug interactions and key counseling points, but now you're thinking of how does the metabolism of this drug impact the patient's response and then other drugs that the patient may be on. So that was something that helped me get up to speed, sort of reorganizing how the drugs were associated in my mind. And Jennifer was always um, emphasizing a holistic patient view. So that was really helpful too. Alex, thank you for sharing that. It sounds like a lot to catch up on in a short amount of time during these resident rotations, but it sounds like, Jennifer, you did an amazing job providing that support to help Alex um, take that initiative and use the resources at her disposal 
to jump right in. Um, one of our major roles as pharmacists is to continue to contribute to the body of knowledge available. So, Alex, I understand that you had the opportunity to do some research with Jennifer. Um, how did your research project in pharmacogenomics help you gain some additional insight and experience in this area? And also, how has that experience in your, this rotation changed the way you approach pharmacy practice? That's a great question. So, in terms of my research project, uh, the project itself was very informatics-based in nature. So, Jennifer had been noticing things throughout her practice that uh, warranted a larger investigation. Um, and it had me doing a lot of manual chart review to see if the responses to our clinical decision support alerts actually made clinical sense. We were finding, in many cases, alerts were being overridden, uh, but upon investigation, these were not incorrectly overridden because the clinical rationale was correct. The alert itself was just not translating properly to the receiving provider. So this really helped me build on my understanding of the importance, not only of being able to interpret um, lab values and genetic information, but also the importance of a close and closed communication with your laboratory services and any outsourced labs. So um, it was really full circle in terms of thinking of the rotation itself where we were reviewing, you know, pros and cons of various testing and um, how lab results are returned and interpreted. Uh, that, that really changed my practice and thinking, challenging the information that you're being given and making sure that it aligns with the alerts that you're receiving or the clinical decision support that you're using. So uh, Jennifer, of course, pulling that all together for me and helping to identify trends in various um, gene drug pairs and where the providers might have been improperly alerted and how we could fix that moving forward. Alex, your research project is very impactful and really does represent where we're moving in pharmacy practice. So I am just so excited that you're able to be involved with that with Jennifer. And Jennifer, thank you so much for your support and just sharing all this information with us. I'm learning a lot today, too. Um, transitioning to kind of how can we help everyone out there who's listening today? What are some tools pharmacists can utilize to build competence in pharmacogenomics? both as a new practitioner or even as a seasoned pharmacist? That's a great question because in my ideal uh, state or in my kind of my mind of our ideal world, every pharmacist could answer pharmacogenomic questions and feel comfortable with, with um, addressing those with patients as well. Um, I think to start off, uh, we're realizing that a lot of m electronic medical record systems are starting to incorporate clinical decision support surrounding pharmacogenomics. And so when that alert pops up about a particular gene drug pair, if your institution happens to have uh, started that process, you know, having that curiosity to click on the links um, that are tied with those clinical decision supports to read the documents that are tied to them. Most of the clinical decision supports, whether it's here at like Cleveland Clinic or elsewhere, usually have some sort of explanation tied to it. In those documents are usually references to CPIC guidelines, to PharmGKB, to package inserts where you can obtain more information. And it can be hard to obviously synthesize all that information into one. So I highly encourage for um, pharmacists, both new and seasoned pharmacists, to be on the lookout for emails about seminars. 
surrounding pharmacogenomics, um, quite a few professional societies now are actually trying to incorporate more pharmacogenomic topics during their annual meetings. So there's opportunities there. There's webinars and uh, that pharmacists can easily access that are usually free or for um, a, a small fee that they can attend and really gain more pharmacogenomics knowledge. And of course, you know, the pharmacogenomics community is uh, fairly small. So um, speaking on behalf of myself and all the other pharmacists out there, we're always happy to have other pharmacists reach out and um, see if there's opportunities for shadowing or just learning more or getting help on implementing pharmacogenomics at your institution. Jennifer, that's so generous. We constantly hear that pharmacy is a small world, and I'm sure the pharmacogenomics community is even smaller. So it's just so kind to have you as an expert in the room and also just offering your knowledge to everyone listening today. We're very fortunate to have ASHP support specifically in this field, and they do have a certificate program available. So I was just curious, Jennifer, um, how can that ASHP certification program, specifically in pharmacogenomics, help one be successful as a specialist in this area? That's, that's a great question, and I'm glad you, you brought up the ASHP certification program. This is a great opportunity for pharmacists who are interested in gaining more knowledge to be able to do it, you know, at home, on their own time. They're, the review material is very much targeting basic pharmacogenomics knowledge, once again going into the resources that you should use, interpretation of guidelines, how do you read a lab report and be able to ensure that that lab is following um, CPIC phenotype calls, and really trying to incorporate all of the patient specific clinical factors into making your decisions and recommendations to your team. It is a great resource that I think um, every pharmacist out there, if they have the opportunity, should check out. Um, it goes by different gene drug pairs, as well as talks about the ethics associated with pharmacogenomic testing and other uh, considerations to take into account. I think it's a really good guide for anyone who wants to gain more knowledge, as well as individuals who are thinking about starting a pharmacogenomic service. Wonderful. Well, I, I wanted to just wrap up with you know, where are we going with the future? So, Jennifer, I'm going to start with you and then pass it off to Alex. Just as we're, we're thinking about this topic and this exciting future that I believe we will all be a part of in the next 10 years, just wanted to see where do you see pharmacogenomics going in the future and why should pharmacists be prepared to utilize pharmacogenomics in their practice? That is, um, to me, an excellent question because I always think pharmacy should be challenged to be constantly moving forward. Um, and I think pharmacogenomics is one of those areas that pharmacists can take ownership of. I'm seeing more and more patients actually come in to their PCP's office um, asking for pharmacogenomic testing because they're not satisfied with kind of the concept of trial and error. And, you know, I, I think this is a great area where we have the opportunity to educate patients and providers as to what pharmacogenomics can and can't do. It's not going to necessarily eliminate 
the entire trial and error process, but it might help us go in the right direction when it comes to patient care. And, I, and so I think with patient demand and the fact that uh, some third-party payers are now starting to change their policy to consider pharmacogenomic testing, I think there's going to be a rise in the number of patients with pharmacogenomic results. And I highly encourage pharmacists to be prepared to potentially address questions, whether it's from their medical team or from patients themselves, regarding how their pharmacogenomic results could impact medication decisions. And so I think this is a great opportunity for Alex to, to jump in and, and kind of discuss how she as a learner sees pharmacogenomics moving in the future. Yes, thank you for that, Jennifer. So I think my view on this is twofold. Coming from a learner's perspective and knowing the, the foundation that you could set for yourself and how that could impact your practice, but also from a health system pharmacy administration perspective of how can leadership support these services and support the increased demand that we're going to see from patients um, and likely continued evidence coming about. So really... I think that first and foremost, we should just be asking ourselves as we're reviewing patient charts, how could pharmacogenomics play into this? Is there a drug that the patient's currently on that could be um, you know, associated with some sort of genetic variant? So that is the first thing I think we should be prepared to utilize because it's, it's keeping the patient top of mind. It's what's best for the patient in terms of their therapy. As we move into the future, I think we'll see a lot more incorporation in terms of education uh, during pharmacy school. So making sure our students are aware of this added layer of pharmacotherapy. Um, and then from a health system perspective, thinking things through for how can you support your pharmacist? So should we be building additional order sets that prompt pharmacogenomic testing based on various um, potential routes for the patient? Um, how do we build our clinical decision support to best support our pharmacists in, in their practice? So as we move into the future, I'm, I'm very excited to see pharmacists, as Jennifer mentioned, own this area um, using our medical expert, our pharmacy expertise and our, our therapy management skills, knowing that pharmacists, you know, are regularly interacting with patients who are going to come with these questions, um, we could definitely be prepared and, and take ownership in counseling them and preparing them for whether to test or whether to not test. Yeah, and Alex, I'm so glad you're here because, and bringing in the health system pharmacy perspective because I think one area that pharmacogenomics could potentially help health systems in general is really addressing medication safety and really how can we use genetic makeup to try to minimize the risk to those adverse events that could potentially land a patient you know, in the hospital for weeks on end. And I think that's something that we really should consider as a goal for, for pharmacogenomics in the future. Well, it has been a true privilege to have you both, Jennifer and Alex, um, to have this conversation today. And I know that I have come away learning lots of pearls about pharmacogenomics, and I know all of our listeners have learned something today from both of you. So I just want to thank you both for joining us for today's episode of Therapeutic Thursdays. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. If you haven't before, I encourage you all to check out ASHP's clinical resources. You can find member-exclusive offerings such as resource centers including those on critical care, nutrition support, opioid management, infectious diseases, and more. 
Other offerings include the Credentialing and Privileging Resource Center, the Preceptor Toolkit, and forums such as the ASHP section of Inpatient Care Practitioners Connect Community, where you can exchange ideas and post questions with your peers. Thanks again for tuning in for this session of Therapeutic Thursdays, and join us here every Thursday where we will be talking about content that matters to experts on a variety of clinical topics. Be sure to subscribe to ASHP Podcast through your favorite podcast provider. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.